Welcome to my new podcast series on bits and pieces, thoughts, insights, and ideas around the topics of brand strategy, design experience, technology, innovation, and transformation. Today with Kevin Perlmutter, Chief Strategist and Founder of Limbic Brand Evolution. Hi, Kevin. Hello, how are you? I'm fine, how are you? Excellent. <laughs> Thanks for having me today. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Kevin started his career as account executive at McKen Erickson and was VP Group Account Director at Publicis, as well as Senior Director Brand Strategy at Interbrand, before he became Chief Strategist and Chief Innovation Officer at Made Music Studio. After that, Kevin founded his own company, Limbic Brand Evolution, a brand strategy and neuromarketing consultancy. Kevin, before we dive right in, I want to start with a short Q&A session for our listeners to get an even better picture of who you are. Are you ready? I'm so ready. <laughs> Good. What is your favorite app? Well, for personal use and throughout my day, I love Spotify for listening to music. I use it constantly and I love how it summarizes what I've listened to at the end of the year and reminds me of uh, how much time I spent listening. But for uh, business purposes, my external brain is Evernote. I keep track of everything I want to remember on Evernote and absolutely love it. Oh yes, they're very good ones. Um, what is the most exciting trend not yet on the market? Oh, I wish I knew. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I, if I knew that, you know, like, no, I, I, I really, I really don't know. There are a lot of really interesting trends that are emerging. I think what's happening with AI, of course, um, is to be watched. And um, there's a lot, I think, that is going to happen with that that could actually go wrong for society. But, um, but I don't know what hasn't been thought of yet. I wish I knew. <laughs> Which brands molded you since childhood? Well, I've, uh, I mean, there are a lot. Uh, one category of brands that I'm a, a big fan of since childhood is in the um, tools category. I'm a woodworker, so brands like Porter Cable, Craftsman, Ryobi, DeWalt, Black & Decker, uh, some of those brands have been around with me since childhood, and I've, I've been gravitating toward the more premium brands as I've grown later in life and have built more things that require more sophisticated tools. And what was your best brand experience so far and why? My best brand experience so far. Um, you know, there are so many brand experiences that, I, that I've had that have been good, that have been excellent, that have created what I call limbic sparks for me. But I'm going to stick with the experiences that I have with an organization called Rise, which is a social services nonprofit here in central New Jersey in the United States. Um, I'm a board member of Rise. Um, they had me at Hello when I first met them about four years ago. And um, the, the, the incredible things that Rise does for its community um, is phenomenal, led by uh, the board of directors that I'm part of, but more importantly, um, Leslie Koppel, who is the executive director. And um, I'm, I'm just thrilled to be part of that brand. and. Every time I'm with them, I feel it's the best brand experience that I'm having. Great. Are you a rule breaker? And if yes, please give us an example. I don't think I'm a rule breaker, but I certainly don't like the status quo. So I'll never break the rules for the sake of breaking the rules. Mm -hmm. I've, I've um, 
I've gotten uh, many, many years beyond hopping fences and going into places I'm not supposed to, mm -hmm. but um, mm -hmm. I definitely won't look at the rules and say they are unchangeable. All right. Spontaneous answer, A or B. Are you a quick decision maker or a thorough overthinker? Um, um, let me think. For, um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All I, right. I, I, um, I am going to split the difference. I, I do my homework. I'm curious. I ask a lot of questions. But once I've gotten to the point where I feel like I have uh, gotten, gotten the uh, answers that I needed, um, I am able to make a quick decision. Mm -hmm. Book or blank Blinkist? Book. Workaholic or nine to fiver? Uh, work workaholic. I don't I don't let it bleed into. Uh, I don't work through every evening and every weekend, but uh, it's certainly on my mind. Fashion addict or come as you are. Come as you are. Trendsetter or wait and see adapter. I'm probably more on the wait and see side. All right, and one thing you can't live without? My family. That is very nice. That's very nice. So Kevin, let's talk brand strategy. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> With your background in huge, big brand and comms networks, as well as working as independent consultant, in your opinion, how has strategy changed over the course of time and what role does technology play within this context? Well, the the big thing that I think is changing over the course of time with strategy is that we're entering um, a behavioral science revolution. Mm -hmm. We are um, understanding more about how the brain works than ever before. We're understanding more about how our instinctive emotional responses actually drive our decisions. And, um, and we're also uh, being exposed to uh, research tools and, and techniques and capabilities and methodologies that are able to understand um, how our brains are responding instinctively at a subconscious level um, using, using quantitative uh, methods that were previously not available. You used to have to take individuals and bring them into a lab and strap them up to equipment to understand mm -hmm. how their brain was being monitored, how their brain was uh, responding through, through uh, individual monitoring and how their emotions were firing left and right in, in various situations. And now we can, we can gather tremendous insight about how people are instinctively responding to stimulus and what they are thinking using quantitative methods. Mm -hmm. And um, so this behavioral science revolution is creating a chasm between those who are focused on old ways of strategy, traditional brand strategy, where it's about the brand and it's you know proof points and reasons to believe and trying to convince people that what you have is, is wonderful to uh, an area that I'm more focused on, which is appealing to why people should care and understanding what they're thinking about, what their needs, wants, and desires are, how they're making decisions, what matters most, and and, and actually appealing to, um, you know, what they actually care about and finding, you know, it's not just about finding your why, which so many people are moving toward and you know everybody's what's my why what's my why but my biggest question is who's your who mm -hmm. how what do you know and what do you understand about your audience and how can you find the relevant intersection of why and who 
so you could have them at hello. Very, very interesting. I think this whole behavioral science approach um, started with a cane man thinking fast and slow. I don't know whether you know his book. I do know his book. I, I know it very well. Yeah. He's a great, he's a great, um, um, what would I say, a, a capacity and, and competency in this, this area with his pilot and autopilot concept. And what you place, the quote you place prominently on your page, um, I found very interesting and inspiring. You said that leaders of desired brands are more successful because they understand and address what people care about. Exactly this caring point you mentioned before, Kevin. Tell us the secret, and, um, be as precise as, as you, you might be. How do leaders actually get that understanding and how does Limbic Brand Evolution help them within this process? What's, what's your strategy behind? Yeah, well, it, it's, it's first of all, it's about looking outside and not just looking inside. When brand leaders are focused on what the brand thinks it should say without doing any Uh, investigating with their customers and their prospects when when brand leaders are uh, saying what they've always said or uh, it's a lot of what I call trickle-down confirmation bias right and and that is defined as you know people with strong opinions inside the company saying things that they want to say without any validation or verification from outside the company trickle-down confirmation bias but what I think is important is having a deep sense of curiosity and talking with, um, talking with your customers and asking the right questions and mining the experiences that they're having with your brand, whether it's through individual conversations or reviews or, or, or whatever it takes. So the ways that I help my client go through this process is, in, in, and by the way, what I've created for my company, Limbic Brand Evolution, is the Limbic Sparks approach to brand strategy. Mm -hmm. And Limbic Sparks, are those moments when a brand has you at hello and you want yes. to keep coming back for more. So the way I take my clients through the process of creating limbic sparks be between their brand and their audience is with three steps to sparking brand desire, focus, connect, and evolve. And focus is all about finding the shared emotional motivation. What is it that the brand and its audience have in common? What is it that they're both striving for? What do they both care about? And the shared emotional motivation is often missing from traditional brand strategy, but for Olympic Spark strategy, it's one bookend of the strategy. Without it, without it, you can't complete the sentence. The other end comes from the connect phase, the second, the second phase of the work. And connect is finding that you know, what, what does the brand stand for? And, and in order for it to be a limbic sparks qualified brand idea, it can't just be an about us statement. It has to be a compelling brand benefit and invitation, Yes, a brand benefit and invitation. And you only get that by understanding the shared emotional motivation. So focus and connect, get you to a foundational strategy. And then the step, the third step that I take my clients through is evolve, where we take that strategy and we apply it to messaging, we apply it to visual identity, we apply it to brand experiences, product service, design and evolution. Um, all the ways that the brand comes to life is rooted in a foundational brand strategy that starts with a shared emotional motivation and, and concludes on the other end of the spectrum 
with a brand idea and positioning that is a benefit and invitation to its audience. That's very cool, and I think you clearly differentiate yourself against um, classical methods of research. Um, yet, um, there are a lot of companies out there who dive into this neuromarketing approach, NLP, etc., PP. Um, what does your company do to stand out in this environment of increasing competition? Well, the first thing, and, and like I share with my clients, is I don't worry too much about the competition um, in, in the traditional sense. I, I'm not about chasing my competitors. Um, I'm about standing out um, as, as, as an individual brand and company. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I, and I share the same thing with my clients for what makes us unique and desirable to our audience. So quite often that's not the nuts and bolts of what we do, but it's it's how we do it. And it's the unique experience that our clients have with us. Mm -hmm. So um, again, like if the question that you asked is about how am I staying ahead of the competition, mm -hmm. it's really just by continuing to uh, To, to understand my audience and what they need, want, and desire and to deliver it in a unique and desirable way. It's about, it's about being um, a thought leader to the extent that I can continue to be a thought leader and push the envelope forward, push, push the frontier forward in terms of the thinking that I'm bringing and helping people apply it to their own work. Mm -hmm. And who would you say is your biggest future competition? Well, Again, I don't worry too much about the competition. You know, the, I'm I'm a I'm an entrepreneur with a business that, um, you know, like a, it's not like my business is going to scale tremendously, and I'm all of a sudden going to become one of the biggest um, advertising or media or consultancy networks in the world. So, I mean, the the biggest competition out there uh, is not something I worry about. I think there's enough work to go around, but I definitely think that there are some. Uh, you know, brand consultancies out there that are starting to, you know, figure out this, um, this behavioral science revolution that I, that I've also figured out. Um, I think there are brand leaders and CMOs out there that are starting to, um, evangelize this need to, um, uh, focus on, on what people care about and, and their emotions in marketing. So I, I think the, the, uh, going back to your first question of, you know, like what's changing, I think this behavioral science revolution is picking up steam and there are going to be more and more, um, brand leaders and, and brand consultants out there helping to fulfill what's possible with that line of thinking. Mm -hmm. And thinking more into the direction of new technologies, I mean, talking AI, for example, um, do you think that um, Gemini um, and Co. will take over in the near future and do mm -hmm. this whole behavioral um, science approach uh, for you while at the, mean, at the same time already designing the logo for companies? Yeah, I, I don't really um, believe that AI is anywhere close to replacing humans. I think like, like many tools, um, it can, it can enhance human activity if it's used right. I think that it can provide a tremendous efficiency and assistance. I think it can do a lot of things, 
But if you're solely relying on AI to do your work for you, A, you're you're not bringing humanity into the process. Yes. You're not thinking like a human. You're not yep. bringing your 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 skills of curiosity and and critical thinking into your into the process and it's and, and the other thing is AI is doing a lot of regurgitation. It's looking at what's out there and it's replicating more than it is being original and innovative. Mm -hmm. So there's no way that you can be completely original and innovative if you're relying on AI to do all the work for you. And I think the biggest challenge that we face in society right now is this humanless technology that's going to start taking over and put a wedge between human interaction and machine interaction. Yeah. And I think that brands that figure out a way to balance the two so that they can have human humanless interactions that are not devoid of humanity, mm -hmm. those are going to be the winners. Very good point. Very good point. And um, give us an example how you, um, as limbic evolution, the limbic evolution you drive, how do you go into these uh, co-creation processes with your customers? If you can talk about it, how do you actually get this co-creation, um, the connecting of the dots together with your clients? Well, I, I, first of all, any client relationship I have is, is a partnership in that it is their brand. I am there to support them. I'm there to help them realize a vision that they either have or haven't been able to think of on their own. It's not my brand. So I don't have an ego in the game. I'm not, um, there, there's nothing I'm going to do with a client that isn't co-created in some way. My job is to, um, is to be curious. My job is to investigate things that they haven't investigated. My job is to bring them insights that they haven't thought of on their own. My job is to develop an array of ideas that can take their brand from where it is to where it can be. And, um, and as we go through the process of, of, of our work together, their input is, is taken very seriously. And if it's not If it's if I suggest something that's not that doesn't feel right to them, then um, then it probably isn't right. On the other hand, I might suggest something to them that feels, we'll use the word risky. They use the word risky. I don't use the word risky, but sometimes it feels it feels a little uncomfortable because it's taking a stand that they haven't taken before, and it actually pulls them from being part of the pack to leading in a particular way. And sometimes that takes some conversation and it takes going back to the insights discovery work we did. And it, it goes back to understanding how their customers feel about their relationship with them and, and, and gives us a foundation of fact to say, you know what, this isn't, this is bold, but it's not risky because it's 100% true. And you guys back it up every single day. And when they feel comfortable that they're delivering on this bold brand idea, this bold statement um, that will that will separate from the pack, then we've co-created something that that takes them to a new level based on the insights and discovery and the connecting of the dots that I help them do. But once again, the co-creation needs to happen because 
you know, it's, it's not my brand. They have to ultimately feel comfortable with what it is we do together. Mm -hmm. And um, talking in practical terms, um, what platforms or media of communication do you use to um, get into these co-creation sessions and um, talking to your clients and, and, and triggering these brand sparks? Well, so, so much of our work today is done remotely. So um, I have lots of meetings all day, every day with clients, uh, with their customers when I'm doing one-on-one -on -one interviews. Um, typically, I mean, if, if we're being specific about, uh, about uh, software, I mean, I'm using Zoom quite a bit. Uh, sometimes my clients use Teams, sometimes we use Slack to communicate, but it's the face-to-face, -face, whether on Zoom or in-person conversations mm -hmm. that get us where we need to go. I value conversation. Right. I value working with clients who are committed to the project. Um, I, I kicked off a, pro a client project uh, several months ago and uh, the CEO is part of this, uh, this project. He's been part of the project in every key meeting that there was. And one of the first things that he said to me and his team during the first call that we had together as a group during the kickoff meeting, he said to his team, he said, guys, I know you're all really busy. This is one of the most important things we're gonna do for the next few months, and I need you to make it a priority. To me, that's the best way to start a project. So it's a more qualitative approach than a quantitative approach. In terms of uh, the conversations that I'm having with my clients, yes, there are and times the inside when they'll, yeah, well, there there are times when there'll be quantitative research studies or something brought into the mix. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, if if necessary, if the client can afford it, if it's going to help us, but. Um, but there's a lot of qualitative work that we do to get to the heart of things that are important. So you combine it also with um, neurological tracking, eye tracking, etc. PP. Uh, I haven't uh, worked with eye tracking per se, but I've worked with uh, implicit association testing, which uh, helps understand the strength of connection between ideas and concepts. Mm -hmm. I've worked with metaphor elicitation, mm -hmm. which helps uh, with projecting ideas and thoughts through imagery without going directly, you know, with rash with rational questions. You're actually throwing people off the track a little bit and getting them to emote and say things that they feel uh, without without feeling hindered or overthinking it. So um, there are quantitative methods I've used uh, in both of those areas that have been helpful for various client projects. So depending on the challenge of the client, the task at hand, you um, basically vary in methodology. Yes, the primary methodology that I use every single time is qualitative one-on-one -on -one interviews with my clients and their customers. As I said, it's not just about why, it's about who. So if I'm not talking with my clients' customers, then I'm not doing my job and I don't have the insights to create a good strategy. So that's always a mandatory part of the work is having client and customer conversations, uh, my clients' customers. Um, but there's a, lot, there's a lot of qualitative conversations that happen and occasionally quantitative research is brought in. Very, very interesting. And what will be your next step, your next um, role, your next evolution? 
Well, I am, I am in this for the long haul, Nadine. I launched Limbic <laughs> Brand Evolution five years ago. I'm about to celebrate my five-year anniversary. Mm -hmm. And um, I am never looking back. I'm going to be independent forever. I'm not going to go work for someone again who controls my time. Um, so I, I'm very happy with what I'm doing and how it's going. And it's going to continue to evolve. One of the things that I'm working on right now is writing a book mm -hmm. on the Limbic Sparks approach to brand strategy and how um, other brands can use the book to focus, connect and evolve and create Limbic Sparks on their own. Mm -hmm. It's going to um, hopefully be published within a year or so. And, um, you know, that will probably create some evolution of my business that I'm looking forward to, to help me not only work with clients individually, but scale how clients can tap into uh, what I'm able to teach them maybe without me. So that might be an evolution of my business down the road, but, um, but I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and having a blast. Which is very good for the industry, I would say, and definitely send me a copy. Last but not least, the last questions, Kevin, because we are a little bit running out of time. What was your boldest decision so far and do you regret it? Well, I think we just covered that. My boldest decision was was going out on my own and starting launching my own brand consultancy. And no, I definitely do not regret it. <laughs> very good. And what is the one question you always wanted to answer in an interview? What are you wearing? <laughs> And that is today? Lucky brand. Okay, <laughs> very good. Kevin, it was so good talking to you. Focus, connect, involve. It definitely sparked my brand desire. And we definitely need to catch up very soon. I'll I would love that. Me too. So, um, give my regards to New York. Hopefully, I will be back soon and meet with you in person. And dear listeners, it was a great podcast with Kevin Perlmutter. So far, so good. Stay tuned for the next bite. And in the meantime, feel free to like, share, and above all, follow up on Spotify, Amazon, Apple Music, LinkedIn, Insta, Facebook, and WhatsApp. Yours, Mark and Fed.